What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. What up, everybody? How we doing out there? Welcome to the Wells Cast. What I love about this show is it's kind of all over the board, right? It's pick and choose what you're into, what you're not. Like, listen, if you're a fan of reality TV shows, we've got a plenty of reality TV guests. I mean, we just had Vinny on last week. Of course, the whole thing started with uh, Dean, Jared, and Derek from The Bachelor on the show. So if that's what you're into, we got you. If you're into musicians, we got Alec Black. We got Chuck Wicks. We got Hunter Hayes. We got Macy Gray. We got Tyler Rich. We got you. If you're into actors, we got Brian Bumgarner from The Office. We got James Maslow, Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek, Scott Eastwood from, well, you know. If you're into comics, Jack Tone from Glow, Phil Rosenthal from Everybody Loves Raymond and, well, host of Somebody Feed Phil. Dave Coulier from Full House. Joe Coy, one of the biggest comics out there. And if you're into athletes, all right, we got you. Victor Oladipo, why not? Rashad Jennings, okay. And then also today's guest. Does he have a championship ring? Yeah, he does. Was he drafted in the first round 16th by the Chicago Bulls back in 1999? Yeah. Did he play for the Pacers, the Kings, the Rockets, the Knicks, and then eventually the team that won the championship, the Lakers? Yeah, he did. Was he on Dancing the Stars? Uh-huh. Is he known as one of the greatest defenders of all time? Yeah. Did he win Defensive Player of the Year back in 2004? Okay, yes. Was he named an NBA All-Star and earned all NBA honors? You know he did. Is he controversial? Was he a part of the Malice at the Palace? Yeah, he was. He's done it all. Very excited for this episode. Because today on the Wells cast, we have Meta World Peace, or Ron Artest, I guess, if you have been keeping up with his name change. Stick around, guys. This one is a good one. <laughs> A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. 
I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back in the Wells cast. A little starstruck right now. This is kind of crazy, but we've got the man, the myth, the legend, champion Meta World Peace on the show. How are you, man? Yeah, everything is great, man. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, man, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time, followed your career around. Sad to see that you're not in the league anymore, but I guess that's just kind of what happens. We're all getting older unless you're Tom Brady. I mean, you know, I'm only um, 41, so I I think I could have still been playing. But when you're getting older, it just depends on the opportunity. And Tom Brady's taking advantage of, you know, being on the big stage, um, having access to the, you know, some of the best um, wellness, health and wellness and really um, 
not taking it for granted. Him, the guys like LeBron James, Vince Carter, they're not taking it for granted. I read something somewhere that Tom Brady like has never had coffee, like doesn't eat any sugar, and I get it, and that makes sense as to why like he can keep on going the way he does. But do you think that's worth it? Like, is that a life to live? <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, because you got to pick something, right? I mean, you can choose a good burger, or you can choose a good NFL career. You know, and either one is good, right? <laughs> I don't know if you saw, but Tom Brady, I think, finally like let loose a little bit recently and was uh, was celebrating his win. And I got to be honest with you, like I think it's easy to hate someone that good, you know, with such like a squeaky clean image. And him looking like he was a bit turned up on a boat, I think was the most relatable thing I've ever seen of Tom Brady, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I seen a little clip of it, and I just thought it was great. I mean, just enjoy yourself and... I mean, what a what a great time, right? What a great time to be to be Tom Brady. <laughs> you, what a great time. You've won a championship. Would you ever throw the trophy from one boat to another? Well, I think it's like you do things and you know, spontaneous, right? I probably would have. Who knows, right? You're in the water and you want to see like if your teammates can catch it and you obviously have confidence in yourself. Yeah. You you're definitely not gonna drop the football, right? He never has. So if anybody's gonna throw the football, it's gonna be Tom. I was reading up on you, and I saw that you've got kind of a new cool sports app. Tell everyone about X vs. X. Yeah, X vs. X Sports is a way for basketball enthusiasts to connect. Um, if you have any gyms and basketball gyms out there, definitely sign up to the app, add your gym. A lot of people think right now, because it's COVID, you can't really play basketball, but on our app, it's okay. You can actually market your gym, and then when COVID opens back up, you're going to influx the traffic. For basketball players, you can be a recreational basketball player or you can be an elite basketball player, male or female. Sign up to the app, create your own games, invite users, invite friends, and then you get a chance to crack the leaderboard and actually see if you're the best in your area. What happens if you're the best in the area? Well, if you're the best in your area as bragging rights, you also get a chance to get invited to some of the best games. So you can continue to build your record up in your area. But it's also showcase games. And a lot of people think our showcase games is only elite basketball players, but that's not true. We also have recreational showcase games, co-ed showcase games, female showcase uh, semi-pro games, pro games, um, college, intramurals, all sorts of levels that fit your uh, needs. Are you playing in any of these pickup games? I do. I do. I play sometimes. Uh, I played a lot early, but being a startup basketball tech company, I had to take a long break from playing because uh, we're not hiring tons of people as being that we're a startup. So... I had to take on product manager role, project manager role, and all types of all types of other roles. So I wasn't able to play for like the last few months. You know that Copperfit commercial uh, where it's like a pickup football game, and then all of a sudden Brett Favre and Jerry Rice show up, and they're like, "They stacked the deck." I can only <laughs> imagine that's what happens if you show up to a pickup game. Well, you know, I, I, I try to be fair. You know, I try to you know be easy and play according to the to the skill level out there, but sometimes. You know, people want me to do more and do more. I can't dunk anymore like I used to, but I'm trying to get back. So hopefully in a year, I'll be dunking again. So can anyone do this or is it just for really good basketball players? Is it just for guys? Like, how does this work? It's for anyone. Co-ed games. When you create a game, you want you can invite uh, females to co-ed games if you're a male. If you're a female, you can do all women games or co-ed games. Five on five. If you want indoor, outdoor, you just... Follow the steps is really easy. Invite players. And the main thing is that you start the game and complete the game. That's the main thing because if you want to crack the leaderboard, 
if you don't complete the game, it's only going to show the game that you played. You want to show the games that you won also for bragging rights. And then how do you denote like your skill level? It's all community-based. So when people go to your profile, it's important to post a picture. Some people just build a profile and they just want to play. Post a picture of yourself and then also post a video of you playing basketball. And then whoever's making up a game, they're going to go to your profile and they're going to look at you. And you can do the same thing. So you'll know the exact type of players you're playing with. It's pretty smart. I mean, I don't know if you're a golf enthusiast, but I am. And I feel like golf has done this for a long time. You create a handicap and people can see what your handicap is. It kind of makes it available for everyone to be able to play the sport. And I think it's a super smart idea for you to get on board with this. And there's a park right down the street from us in Studio City, and it's always these pickup games. And it always seems very, very unorganized. And there's, (laughs) you know, there's always like one fat guy who probably shouldn't be there. And then there's like young kids who are just uh, balling out. And so this is a smart idea. Everyone needs to go down this especially if you're a basketball fan apple store google play and it's called x versus x right so it's x vs x sports yes absolutely i remember when i first started um doing the beta i was about 307 pounds just like working all the way for 250 when i played in my prime i got all the way down to 275 just by playing basketball right and and building friendships and, and and joining our community so the app is bigger than just, you know, getting on the leaderboard. It also is very healthy for you, and it's also helping you build uh, relationships. Did you come up with this? Is this like your thing, or did they bring you on board knowing they needed, you know, kind of uh, some basketball star power? Well, just being uh, just being uh, inspired by a lot of other tech companies and things that's going on. Yes, this is my idea. I'm the founder, uh, but I did have a lot of help. Um, I did have a lot of help uh, thinking through the process on how to build a basketball you know, real basketball tech company. Um, and right now we're still in startup phase and I see a lot of companies out there trying to do the same thing. They're doing a great job. So shout out to everyone in the space, but I'm having a really good time. If people want to find out more about uh, X versus X sports app, where should they go? They, they can go to X sports.com. So that's X vs X sports.com. You can also follow us on all social media at X versus X sports. You can direct message. So if you want to play in a game and you don't really feel comfortable with who you're, you're seeing or playing with, you can direct message the game host. Um, each game has its own group chat. So you can say, hey, I'm going to have 50. I'm going to win. Or what's the address? How do I get there? So each game has its own group chat. Um, and then you also have an opportunity to post on a feed. So each profile has a feed. This is a really, uh, you know, cutting edge, you know, modern, innovative social media, social component basketball enthusiast application. So please please have fun when you download it. Free to sign up and so many great things. A lot of celebrities is on there. The Professor is on there, 4 million YouTube subscribers. Bone Collector's on there. Um, seven and some change. He was in the movie with Semi-Pro, Will Farrell, a seven-footer. He's, in, he's on there. Chris Staples, everybody hates Chris is on there. Jim Bandy's on there. A lot of influencers on there. Actually reach out to the influencers because they love to play basketball. And actually, invite Mamadou. Mamadou is 7'7", and he loves to play basketball. (laughs) The next thing you got to do is you got to somehow link it to Venmo so they can have money games and have an easy way to pay out. Well, if you go on the app right now, you'll be surprised what you'll see since you just said that. (laughs) Some things are ready. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. yeah, you can't stop people from betting. X versus X Sports app. You can download it now at the Apple Store, Google Play. Uh, follow them and then uh, X versus X Sports.com. Is that right? That's right. And challenge me if you want.
All right. <laughs> this is a great idea, man. I, I'm super impressed. And anyone who's a, a basketball enthusiast and, or just wants to get out there and play and get better, uh, they need to download this app. Very, very cool. I don't know if anyone told you what this show is all about, but I'm all about origin stories. I find it fascinating to see how people who are extremely successful got to where they are. If you got a couple minutes, I'd like to uh, to go back and uh, find out where Meta World Peace came from and how the hell he got here. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Quick break. We come back. Meta World Peace here on the Wellscast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back on the Wells cast. So excited to have Metal World Peace on the show. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Uh, so long, I remember when you went by a completely different name. Now, even though you can't see Metal World Peace playing in the association today, you can possibly play against him on a court near you with his new app, X versus X Sports. You can download it at the Apple Store and Google Play, and basically it's a marketplace for everyone out there who loves to play basketball pickup games to uh, connect and go out and play, which I think is super smart, and kudos to you for kind of pivoting over from being a jock to the tech world. It's probably not a super easy thing to do. Very, very frustrating. Yeah, I bet, man. You know, you're not a Silicon Valley nerd. I'm sure it's hard to convince a bunch of those guys to figure this out, but you did it. So congratulations. I want to figure out how the hell you got here. So let's go back to the beginning. Where are you from? Yeah, well, I'm from Long Island City, uh, Queensbridge. I was born in Queens, New York City. And I was actually born in a New York City hospital. Did you come from a big family? Yeah, big family. Uh, Ten siblings, and I, we have 40 nieces and nephews. And uh, yeah, really big family. Jesus. Okay, so where do you fall in the birth order? I'm right in the middle. Um, I got three older sisters, one older brother, and then one, two, three younger sisters, and three <laughs> younger brothers. <laughs> you got to count, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was the family a big athletic family? Well, my dad was. My dad was a boxer and a baller, so he spent most of his time, you know, trying to pursue boxing, but a lot of time playing basketball. And he had a good right hand. I don't think he had a great jab. That's what he says. Yeah. But he also, um, he also uh, was a strong right driver. He, he didn't have much of a left hand, but he could really shoot. Were you all playing basketball like growing up? Yeah, definitely. I started at eight years old and I started taking it serious at about 10. But I started at eight, you know, playing basketball. Is anyone else in your family fantastic basketball player as well? Well, Daniel Artest is a fantastic basketball player. He almost went pro. Um, I, I thought he was better than me at one point, um, you know, but things got to fall into place. And then my two sons play basketball, um, Jerron Artest and Ron Artest. You're growing up in Queensbridge, New York. You are one of, you say, 11 kids? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How did it start? Was your dad like, we're going to go play some basketball? Is this, is this how like the whole pickup thing started well, with you? It started by just going outside. So going to Queensbridge, you know, like Nas is from, Mob D, Roxanne Shantae, MC Shan, um, all the great, amazing rappers are from, from this one neighborhood. So it started out by like just going outside. And then when you go outside, you see people playing basketball, you're playing tag, you're playing on the monkey bars, doing different things like that. And when you see the courts, it's really hard to make it on the court, especially back in 1988 or 89, when everyone was outside playing, no social media. So, you know, when you're trying to make it on the court, you just want to have a good time. You take that first shot and you dribble the ball and you realize I'm really bad at this. I can't even put the ball through my legs. And then you start playing. Uh, but my dad wanted me to continue to play because he thought it was a really good outlet for me. So I just kept playing. And when I was about 11 and 12, 
I was actually able to start playing with the men a little bit. I was able to start fitting in. How tall are you at 11 or 12? 11 or 12, I think I was about 5'11". Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe about 5'11", five, five maybe 12 years old, probably 6 foot, maybe. And how tall are you now? 6'5", six 6'5 five, six five and a half. Okay, so you're 12 years old playing with grown-ass men um, in New York. How long until you realized, I should probably focus on this because I'm really good? You know, I, it wasn't that because I was really good. It was just, it was fun. Yeah. You know, when you're a kid, you just find something that you love and you just do it. You know, like girls want to do dance team. They want to do drill. They want to cheerlead. Guys want to, you know, maybe play video games or, you know, some guys want to, you know, play tennis at an early age. It's just, just like, what do you love, right? And it was more about just the, every day getting better. Shots is going in now. Oh, now I can put it through my legs. Oh, now I'm a basketball player on a basketball court. I'm one of the best on this court at my age. And that type of stuff is exciting. So you just keep getting better. You just keep getting better. And you don't know one day you're going to play against somebody from Ohio, somebody from Germany, right? Somebody from Brooklyn. You don't, you're not even thinking about that. You're thinking about your one little area. And then when you start to leave your area, it's like, wow, other people are really good just like me. <laughs> so imagine, you know, when, if I keep going. So now it's like at that point, it's like, okay. I got to keep getting better. So about the age of 12, 13, I just kept working, kept working. Um, about, the age of, about the age of 15, I said, oh, wow, I might have a chance to go. I just kept working, kept working. Okay, so when you're like 12 or 13, are you getting recruited by basketball camps and boys' leagues? How does that work? Yeah, at 12 or 13, definitely. Local teams, local leagues, the best basketball camps, and, you know, and getting invited everywhere about that age, yeah. Do you remember some breakout stars from back then? Well, like, so for my era was, I'm 41 and LeBron is 36. That's like different eras. Well, he's 37 or something. Yeah. So then my era was like Lamar Odom, um, an older Stephon Marbury, an older Skip Tamalu Ray for Austin, the older Shem Wells. Um, then you had, I, I ran, I crossed paths with Kobe Bryant in Providence. Richard Hamilton was on that team. I think also. And then I um, in Ohio at Nike camp, Baron Davis, played against Baron Davis and the Collin Twins, Shea Cotton. Um, and then I played with Elton Brand, Lamar Odom, and Eric Barkley, home in New York City. And then uh, Tracy McGrady actually was in our class, but I never played against Tracy in high school. Never, never seen Tracy in high school. We were the same exact age, same exact class, but I don't know, I don't know how we never played against each other. Looking back when you were at those AAU camps or whatnot, who did you think was going to be like the next Michael Jordan? Well, you know, there's a lot of guys. There's, um, there's a guy named Jaron Rush who we don't, you probably don't know, but his brothers played in the NBA, Kareem Rush and um, Brandon Rush. And a lot of people don't know their brother. I thought their brother was the best out of all the rushes, but they had way longer careers. He didn't even make it to the NBA, but he was really talented. Then you had guys like um, Tavares Bell from Queens, New York City, who get half, he, he used to get his shoulders over the rim in high school. He, it was insane. A couple guys that I didn't make it, like uh, like Booger Smith from Brooklyn, talented player. You know, um, you have um, Charles Jones who went to the Chicago Bulls one year. So many, so much great talent that, you know, didn't quite make it to the NBA, but amazing basketball players. So you're playing at, like AAU ball, you go to LaSalle Academy, right? 
Right. Were you recruited to go play ball there? LaSalle Academy. So I was actually going to go to McClancy High School, okay. which was in Queens. And I played for a guy named Artie Cox, who was at, um, he was at McClancy. And so when he left McClancy in Queens, then I went to, then I went to LaSalle. I was recruited to go to LaSalle Academy, but I was almost at McClancy. And initially, um, I was going to go to, a, I wanted to go to a public school called Long Island City Public School. And the reason was because we had so much great talent. It was me, Reggie Jesse. Reggie Jesse was from my neighborhood. Um, went to St. John. We went to St. John's together, same year. And then also Eric Chatfield. Eric Chatfield. I went to high school with Eric Chatfield from my neighborhood. We went 27-0 senior year in high school, won a title. And then Eric Chatfield's brother, Mike Chatfield, was the best. And But he went to jail at about, at about 16 years old. So we was waiting for him to come out of jail, but he didn't come out of jail. So we, so I just said, I'm just going to go to another school. If he would have been out of jail, I probably would have went to Long Island City High School to play with Mike Chatfield. But he later, he later died um, in a bad uh, a drug, a drug transaction that went really bad. But, but an amazing basketball player. You went 27-0 and at LaSalle. Were you the best player on that team? Um, I, I was probably the best player on the team. I was averaging 25. Eric Chatfield was averaging uh, 22. And we have maybe one other player that was averaging maybe 18 or 15. But, yeah, I was probably the best player on that team. And then me and Elton Brand, we got a uh, player of the year. We shared player of the year in New York City. Take me back to you're a high school kid. Like when I was in high school, I was an idiot, but I wasn't this completely dominant sports figure where people were telling me, hey, listen, you've got a future in this. You can go you can get a free college degree with this. You can probably play in the league. It's got to be hard to keep your nose clean knowing all that. Right. Were you cognizant of what your future could be and making smart decisions then? Or are you still like everyone else in high school being kind of a dipshit? I was mostly focused on the court, but uh, I wasn't really worried about like not making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> but I was definitely like training hard. All, all I cared about was training hard and just pretty much being true to myself. But I was definitely locked in. Now, what is your dad saying at this point? You know, he was this athlete as well. He's got this kid who's a crazy talent on the basketball court. What is? What are your parents saying at, at this point? Are they like, don't screw this up? They didn't really know what was happening. They just kept seeing stories in the paper, stories in the paper, stories in the paper, right? But it wasn't nothing where they, they wasn't trying to say, okay, well, I might have a son that's going pro. Yeah. It's time to start nurturing him and they just let me be i never had any issues with my parents over you know getting in my life um you know now that i was you know taking it to the next level so you're playing with elton brand lamar odom and you go 27 and 0 is it is that your senior year in high school you went 27 and 0 yeah senior year no senior year in high school he's 27 and 0 we didn't lose one game and then you get recruited to go play at st john's yes then get recruited to go to st john's i almost went to miami university that was actually my first choice, uh, but then something happened that day that I got in the paper that I had lunch. It was really stupid, but I had lunch or dinner with a coach and a long time ago, they put it out in the paper and then I was scared to go to Miami because I didn't want to sit out for a year. Yeah. So then I went to St. John's. So you go to St. John's, what are you majoring in? Well, when I was on my college visits, I visited Notre Dame, uh, Miami University, and those two schools because they had the best architect program. Yeah. I, I only wanted to visit schools with architect programs, but 
St. John's being in New York City, I mean, they didn't have an architect program, but there was things you could have done. And then I visited Miami of Ohio because there was a guy from my neighborhood that was coaching in Miami of Ohio and Wally Zerbiak was at Miami of Ohio and I love Wally Zerbiak. And then um, Providence was because Shamgar Wells was at Providence. So, and I played with Shamgar Wells in high school. So I almost went to go play with Shamgar Wells at Providence, but Sham actually went to the NBA the next year. And then um, I pretty much just went to St. John's, but my whole goal was to uh, be an architect. That's what I really wanted to do. Um, Notre Dame, they really, I mean, just, just Notre Dame is a great school. I only visited there once. I played against them, but they really were supportive when I was going there and I was telling them how much I want to be an architect, even though I'm not the greatest student, but I really want to try. And then the same thing with Miami. Miami was probably even a little bit better from that standpoint because they, they took me through the program and really took it serious. And then when I went to St. John's, I was telling them I want to be an architect, but um, they didn't really have the program, but to St. John's credit, they, they was trying to make it where I can eventually pursue architecture. And they definitely tried their best and they set me up with some really amazing classes, but it was just so hard, um, you know, getting up at 5.45 on the court to practice and then focusing on these architect classes. It was like really, really difficult. So I had to drop it. How many years were you at St. John's? St. John's, I was there for two years. And then what, didn't you go straight to the league? St. John, I did two years and went to the NBA. I was about 19. I was 19 when I got drafted. Played my first game at 19, but then I turned 20, November 13th. So it was cool to be in the NBA at a 19, as a 19-year-old. Pretty cool. Looking back, do you wish you had stayed in college longer, or you think that you made the right decision to go? I think I made the right decision. It was time. I was playing well, uh, and I wasn't averaging a lot, but I was playing really, really well, so I thought it was the right time. You're drafted 16th by the Bulls. Who was drafted above you? Elton Brand went number one. Okay. Who I played for three years. <laughs> we sh- you know, in, in high school, amazing. Then number two was Stephen Fran- Francis. Number three was um, Baron, Baron Davis. Baron Davis. Then Lamar Odom went number four to the Clippers. Number five was, um, I think, Sean Marion. I think it was Sean Marion, number five. And then number six was, uh, it could have been Richard Hamilton um, or, or Corey Maggette, one of those guys. Um, I know Corey was in the top 10. Wally was in the top 10. And then um, I think William Avery might have been somewhere in there. Then you had Trajan Langdon. Yep, Trajan Langdon was in there. And then you have Frederick Weiss from overseas. He, was, he went to the next 15. And there was a couple, it was like two other people that went in front of me that I can't remember exactly who, who it was. I was impressed that you even remember that many people. But going back, that was a really stacked draft class. I mean, it was stacked. I thought it was a really good class. Um, it, 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 the, only, the only thing, it wasn't a lot of champions from that class, but a lot of class X. Um, and I played with a lot of them in high school and stuff. I, I, I thought we was a tough class. You know, I thought we could deal with anyone. Obviously, you had a lot of great classes like Michael Jordan, LeBron James. But, you know, we had Lamar Odom. We have uh, Elton Brand, Baron Davis. You know, we got a, it was a tough class. Richard Hamilton. I read somewhere that you, like, applied for a job at Circuit City while you were playing for the Bulls. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. I got, when I was 19 years old, it was just trying to stay out of trouble, you know. So I figured I'd just try to get a job. And I was at, my friend was working at Circuit City. He was staying with us. 
And I just I applied for a job and I thought nothing of it. I always like I always like, you know, to try to, you know, uh, stay as normal as possible. You know, so uh, with that being said, I felt like working at Circuit City was something that, you know, anyone would do. Yeah. You know, something everybody would do. So I didn't feel like I was too good to work at Circuit City. But you were in the NBA. Yeah, I was in the NBA. I was in the NBA. <laughs> I was in the NBA. I had nothing to, I mean, I, I mean, I was playing video games a lot. Yeah. I was training. I was training a lot. Like, you know, I'm, I'm at the gym an hour or two hours after practice. Right. And then when you get home, it's just like, okay, what do you do? Right. <laughs> I mean, at 19 years old, you don't really know, like, okay, let's go have lunch. Yeah. Let's go have a dinner. Let's come home. Right. It's not, you're not thinking like that at 19 years old. Like, this is life. Life is supposed to be about just enjoying and relaxing. It's like, hey, what's next? Something has to be happening right now. It's 3.30 p.m. and I'm doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but back home, I was like, I'll be outside. Right? So back home in New York, I'll be outside, my friends chilling, talking, 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 talking. Then you go, then you go upstairs, right? And I was just like 18, 17 years old. So I had to, I had to figure out something to do. So were you were you an actual employee at Circuit City? Yeah, I filled out everything. I filled out the, my employee form. I, I don't know the gentleman who's the general manager, but I filled it out. Yeah, turned it in, and I actually worked one day. Yeah, and then that was it. Once people found out I was working, yeah, it kind of got a little bit. That met, that Ronald Test is working at Circuit City. <laughs> it was on um, it was on a Chicago Tribune. <laughs> so I just stopped working. <laughs> well, did you at least like get to take advantage of some like? Employee discounts for that one? Day. Yeah, discount. I got some discounts, fifty percent off everything you buy. So DVDs, I just racked up <laughs> DVDs. <laughs> you played for a lot of different organizations. I mean, you started with the Bulls, but like I, I feel like I know you as a pacer. Like that's Michael Keaton is my Batman, and like you to me are a pacer. But you played for the Kings. You played for the Rockets. Obviously, you won your championship here in Los Angeles, I think the Knicks as well. Where does Meta identify with the most? In terms of my best season, what I've worked for my whole life, um, just being able to play well, I would say um, Indiana, the year I got defensive player of the year. Like As an individual, that's what I worked for. And then as a champion, obviously the Lakers, you know, I worked, to, I wanted to be a champion also. I, I wish I could have combined it, you know, defensive player of the year champion all-star all this stuff in one year but it worked out it was spread it out and i'm really grateful who is the greatest player you ever played with the greatest player i ever played with i would it have to be between um kobe and yao ming i think um obviously i played with reggie miller also but i played with reggie miller when he got older he was still really good actually <laughs> but obviously he was like 18 years or 16 years in the nba he was still really good um but yeah, I played with him. But I think like Yao Ming, um, Yao Ming was so dominant. I never played with someone so dominant like that. It was just really, it was just really, it was just crazy to see like, you can't stop him. No one, no matter what you do, you can't stop him. <laughs> and he's so skilled and so smooth at 350 pounds, seven, six, just like unreal. You're kind of known as a defensive guy. Who was like the player that you kind of modeled your game after or like looked up to? Uh, I would say um, um, Gary Payton, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan. Um, those three guys, I used to watch them, how they play defense. And then Gary was both ends. Gary can give you 25 and he can shut you down. He won a guard with Michael Jordan. 
and then Michael Jordan could give you 50 or 40 and shut you down. And I was just like, this is how you win. And I just watched those guys a lot. And I often tried to like play like those guys sometimes. And then Dennis Rodman, his hustle, not necessarily his rebounding, because when I was a sophomore in high school, I did rebound like him. But when I got older, I stopped rebounding as much. Uh, I think mainly because mainly I was guarding the perimeter a lot, so I'm not, I'm not down to get rebounds a lot. But his hustle, his passion, you know, um, it just, I just loved it. You're a quirky guy. Dennis Rodman is known as a quirky guy. Is there some sort of correlation between a personality types and being a shutdown defensive guy in the NBA? No, nah, I mean, not really. I think Dennis Rodman was somebody that I just loved. <laughs> and, it's, I mean, it, it all depends on your idol. Like, Dennis Rodman, in my eyes, was just the greatest person. that still is. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't necessarily want to be like him in certain ways, but I did. But I just did things differently. But in terms of basketball, somebody that I really idolized, you know, it was it was definitely definitely him. Of all the teams you played on, obviously the Lakers winning a championship was probably the the pinnacle of your professional career. But was there another team that you played on that you thought was uh, that that could have and should have won a championship that didn't? Well, the Pacer team that I got suspended that was a championship team, I believe. Um, that Rocket team, when y- uh, the year y- Yamin broke his foot in game three, I thought we had a chance to win it. I mean, we beat them game one. Um, when Yamin breaks his foot, it changes everything. It went to game seven. And Tracy McGrady didn't even play. You know, so, and Tracy plays, who knows what happens. Then we, I, I think that was another year. The year we got swept by um, the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, they beat us game one. And we was up seven points in the first one minute to go in the game. I thought that was our year also, but then they beat us game one, and then they beat us game two the same way. I mean, we're up. So then now we're down 0-2, going to Dallas. I felt like if it was even, – even if we had one game, maybe things could have been different. I felt like that team was a really good team. I was really surprised we didn't win it that year, but Dallas just played so well. And when Rick Carlisle – Rick Carlisle is just such a great coach. I mean, it's really hard to beat Rick Carlisle, you know, so, almost wish we did. Almost wish we didn't play Dallas so early. You just mentioned your suspension, which obviously is tied to the malice at the palace. That whole fiasco. You've probably talked about that ad nauseum, and I don't really need to go into it. Other than the fact that you received the largest suspension in NBA history: eighty-six games, seventy-three reg season games, 13 playoff games. Looking back, do you think that that was even close to a justified number to put you out? I mean, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I didn't want to be out that long, and I didn't want that whole day to happen, and it happened. I wish it didn't happen. You know, I wish I – w- I just wish that day would never have happened because, I mean, I wanted to play basketball, but, you know, it happened for a reason. And, um, you know, it, it just wasn't meant for me to – to have a great season, it wasn't meant. For, it was just wasn't meant to be. Uh, I wish it was meant to be. I wish. I wish I could have just kept playing. I was averaging twenty four point five. It was like it was the most I ever averaged in my career, and I was hoping I can keep it going, you know. And but it just wasn't meant to be. I probably wasn't ready for that moment. Well, when you went to Los Angeles, it was meant to be. You won a title. Do you still have the ring? Do you wear it? Like, how does that work? 
I don't have the ring because I always wanted to win a ring at Indiana. My first ring, I always wanted it to be at Indiana. So that ring, I just pretty much raffled off for charity, for mental health institutions and different things like that. I'm you know, just being competitive. You know, I work for something, I want it. And if I don't get it, I'm just not satisfied, you know, which is a little bit obsessive. Um, but, you know, since I didn't win it, I felt like it was a failure because I always felt like I wanted to be the best. And when you work for something, and if you set goals and you don't reach those goals, like, how do you feel? Do you feel okay with that? I, I don't feel okay. I didn't feel okay that I didn't get the ring how I wanted to get the ring. Although I, it's not that I wasn't grateful because I really was. It was just another competitive uh, uh, nature in me that kicked in that felt like I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. You, that makes sense. You raffled off your championship ring. How much did you get for it? Well, we raised $671,000. You know, and then, so $671,000, we hired an intern from Nashville to find about a, he went through about a thousand um, institutions uh, to see which institutions we were going to invest in, I mean, are going to donate to. So then we paid the intern, I think we paid him maybe 30 grand or something, a um, couple of small paperwork. And then uh, the actual platform that we used gave them 10%, and then the rest of the money went to um, a program in Cleveland. I went to a program in uh, Arkansas, New York City, L.A., and Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. I wish we had more cash to disperse, but, you know, we just gave all the money away. <laughs> I mean, that's an amazing story, and good for you for being an ally to, to mental health in general. That's just a lot of money, and I'm sure it did a whole lot of good. I'm running out of time with you, but before I let you go, I did want to know, did you enjoy doing Dancing with the Stars? I enjoyed it, man. I mean, uh, I did enjoy it. I did, I did a lot of different things on television and stuff, and Dancing with the Stars is one of my favorite. It was really it was really hard because you got to train for five hours. Um, I, I can't really do the training, so I was the first one off the show. Yeah. You know, um, I, but I had a great time. I'm really, I really appreciate it that they brought me on. I mean, other than developing apps and going on reality TV shows like Dancing with the Stars and stuff, what's something that you haven't done that you want to do? Well, you know, right now, um, I've done everything I want to do in life. I think um, for the most part, just continue to get better at different things. I'm really enjoying basketball, although like it can be frustrating doing a new startup because there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of things you want to see to go, go right. But at the end of the day, when you get on that basketball court, you bring people together and they just out there competing. I'm just so lucky that I'm able to be in basketball. I'm so grateful, you know, and a lot of it has to do with the NBA because, uh, you know, I, I choose to do what I do, but I'm so grateful that I'm down this path in basketball. Like, I, I couldn't have wrote this any better. And everyone can be involved in basketball just going through your app with the X versus X Sports app. You can get it at the Apple Store uh, or at Google Play. Before I let you go, you got some time for some rapid-fire questions? Absolutely, let's do it. All right, rapid-fire questions with Meta World Peace. Favorite pizza topping? Uh, chicken, mushrooms, and onion. Who was your first kiss? Oof. Uh, my first uh, the mother of my children. First mother of my children. <laughs> oh, good for you, man. What was the first concert you went to? Oh, Eminem concert when I was 19 years old in Chicago. <laughs> first job you ever had? First job packing bags in Queensbridge for $35 a week, I think. First car you ever owned? Was a suburban, a black suburban, 1999 when I was in the NBA. Who's the most famous person in your cell phone? Oh, most famous person in my cell phone. All my contacts is gone. I don't know what happened, but um, <laughs> uh, for the most famous person in my cell phone, maybe uh, Elton Brand, Lamar Odom, Baron Davis. 
What was the first record, cassette, or CD you owned? Probably SWV or Mary J. Blige. One of those two. Favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Oh, Mr. Manhattan. Weirdest superstition you have? I don't really have any anymore. I used to when I played, but I have none no more. <laughs> I literally don't have any. What's one thing that's always in your fridge? I try to keep natto beans. <laughs> Japanese beans. <laughs> do you believe in soulmates? Uh, yes, I do believe in soulmates. When you were younger or single, did you have a celebrity crush? And if so, who was it? When I was younger, single, I think my celebrity crush was, um, I would say uh, it was Brandy, Demi Moore, and Halle Berry. I always, I always liked watching when I was when I was like a young boy, just watching their movies and over and over again. <laughs> and last one, if you could go back in time to play at your peak, your prime, and you could play anyone, dead or alive, who would you want to play against in a one-on-one matchup? Probably Will Chamberlain. Nice. Because he's just so big and strong. I would have loved it. <laughs> Meta World Peace, it's an honor to get to talk to you. Been a big fan for a very long time. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, everyone out there, go download the X versus X Sports app, Apple Play Store, Google Play. People want to follow you on social media. Where do they need to go? At X versus X Sports, actually. That's my social media platform. I'm Meta World 37. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. Is there anything else you want to talk about or promote before I let you go? Thanks for having me on your show, man. Uh, much success to you. Just thanks for having me on your show and giving me a platform. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Good luck with everything and try to stay sane in this crazy pandemic world we got going on. Same, I know. Same here. <laughs> All right. See you, bud. I right, See you later. Hey, guys. This is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back. And this season, we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.